Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. Hey, Get Your Book Seen and Sold podcast listeners. I added a couple of goodies to my Substack account. If you would like to be a subscriber at the $50 a year level, you will get a fill-in-the-blank book marketing plan. And at the $100 level, you will get not only the book marketing plan, but also a half an hour consultation with me via Zoom. Sign up today. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Meg Olders. Meg is a writer and author of the book C.Smile and the creator of the substack Stock Fiction. You can find her popular substack at stockfiction.substack.com. You can also find her on her Instagram. She's at at writermelon, R-I-T-E-R-M-E-L-O-N, and I'll have that in the show notes. Welcome, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. So I found you because I was looking on my Substack and I found stock fiction. And I tell you, when I read the one that I read, and it was there was I think there was a picture of a cupcake, and I I got a little hot and bothered, and my and my husband my husband was busy that night with me. <laughs> so was that cake is that the one you read? <laughs> yes, the, yes, yes. He's like, I what? was curious. I was curious if you had read a piece of fiction before you found the the nemesis post. Um, so that's <laughs> that was an interesting one that you stumbled upon for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so tell us about your Substack. Where did you come up with that idea? Sure. Um, so I didn't even know that Substack existed until, let me think, last summer. I sort of just wandered into a webinar. The Authors Guild did like a business boot camp series. And um, they had two people on the panel. One of them was L. Griffin, who most people know as one of the more popular fiction writers on Substack. And um, a woman named Kara Kutrazula, who I hope I'm pronouncing her name correct. Um, she writes um, a Substack called Brass Ring Daily, which is a daily newsletter of just inspiring things for creative people. And it's fantastic. Um, so I kind of listened to both of them talk about their own discoveries of Substack and how they ended up there and what it was doing for them and what they were able to do on it. And it sounded very appealing to me. Um, to that point, I had been primarily operating in the kid lit space. Um, I'm a member of SCBWI, which I will slow down when I say this, is the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Um, so I've been a member of that organization since 2015. And back then I was raising very little babies. So I was writing books for very little babies. I was writing picture books and um, things of that nature. And um, I took a year-long course um, with an instructor that's a member of that association. Her name's Jolie Steckley. And um, during that course, I started kind of growing up a little in my fiction writing and writing some middle grade. And then eventually I sort of landed in the YA space, which is 
where I write primarily um, in my novels. And so um, this just seemed like a space to experiment with some adult fiction, which I wasn't really writing yet. So um, I was out for a walk. I was like, okay, what can I do? So I, I think I attended that workshop in like June or July. And then it was around September when I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to have a hook, you know, something that's interesting. So I was just out. And during the course of that um, Kidlet course that I took, we did a lot of free writing. And a lot of times our instructor would prevent, uh, present us with a photo and give us like a short prompt. And so we would kind of work with that. And for some reason, I always did better with the photo prompts than just a standard written prompt. So I was like, oh, well, I, that would be kind of like a fun thing to do. And then at some point, the name Stock Fiction popped into my head and that just kind of sealed it for me because I just thought it was catchy. And I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and so I'm going to go see what I can do with that. So, and I just feel like with stock photography, I'm never going to run out of material. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. I try really hard to find photos that have it, um, an actual artist's name attached to them rather, you know, because you can find a lot of pictures and you don't know where they came from. But I always try to find things where I can, you know, give credit to the person who created them, even if they are free to the world. Um, I like to do that. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up there. And then even though I made that decision in September and I started my Substack, I didn't post until October. That was my first post that went out it was October 8th, I think, of last year. So I haven't been on a full year yet. I'm still working through that first year. And you're doing really well with it. It's a popular Substack. It's it's fun. I'm having such a great time with it. And I've been really impressed with just the world that Substack provides because I'm kind of, well, I'm, I won't say I'm kind of, I'm highly social media averse. Yeah. <laughs> It's not my favorite place to hang out. And, and it's mostly because you sometimes if you're a quote unquote nobody, you just feel like you're screaming into a void or or talking nicely into a void or making a joke into a void or, you know, any number of things into a void. Um, and you see these other people that just have this energy and following and they're posting all the time and they're people engaging with them. I'm like, so what's the step that gets you from screaming into a void to being quote unquote popular on those sites. And I don't think there's a secret other than there's robots <laughs> behind the scenes turning gears and you just have to hit them the right way with your little hammer. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't doing that. I was on um, Instagram and I'm still on Instagram, but I find I spend most of my time engaging on Substack. And I was on Twitter for approximately five minutes and <laughs> I left just before it exploded. So I left, <laughs> I showed up at the wrong time and left at the right time. So, um, but other than that, I don't do much in the way of social media. So this provided very quick engagement for me. Um, like my first post went out to five people, I think, and they were all people who I signed up for them. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't choose. I was like, they were my writer's group that I met through that class I mentioned. And we all still meet almost weekly. Um and so I kind of signed them all up. And of course, I told my family about it. So yeah, the first post went out to very few people. Um, and then it just came, became about letting other people know about it. But then the surprising thing was how many people found it on Substack that I didn't know. And how much better that whole system seems to work on Substack than other places where you're trying to get seen. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. And I, and I think... Part of it is that your universe of 
target audience is there. You mm-hmm. know, people who are on Substack want to read. Want exactly. To read, right. So that that helps narrow things down tremendously versus social media and everybody in the world is on there with all their different interests. Um, right. And I do, to your point about the social media, too, I'm with you. I, I, I've i always had trouble with social media. And I think it's a personality thing. I think there are some people who love to be on and are talking and commenting. And there are other people who, you know, are just just don't, you know, that's not their personality to spend, right. you know, that much time doing that. But when you have something that you want to share and you want to get out there, um, I think Substack checks the boxes for a lot of writers. Absolutely. Um, And it provides a lot of different ways to share too. Um, And so many of them I haven't even explored, but you know, because we're talking on a podcast right now, which you have on Substack and a lot of other people do that. It's definitely something I'm considering doing um, myself at some point. I have like a clever idea to call it talk fiction because, you know, it's... I love it. <laughs> that you're branding. Love right, it. exactly. Yes. And I've, I've made so many, you know, writer friends that, you know, the funny thing is I tend to connect with the people that are on the same plane as me in terms of where we are in our journeys. So it's like we're helping each other in the sense that we're like, we're all here together and it's really hard. So I'm not sure any of us is going to be responsible for jettisoning someone into the stratosphere of fame and success but it's still like a really good vibe and just the opportunity to talk with somebody and then you know you've got a little podcast that you can share on yours and i can share it on mine and it's just i like that element and at some point one of those people might be doing really well and then i'll be glad that i know them exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah so meet them when they're down at the bottom and then maybe they'll remember who you are when they're famous yeah and i i think that was kind of the whole the whole point with social media for people to connect and then you know for the greater good in whatever form that takes but with substack you really are connecting with folks who have the same goal that you do they either right. just enjoy writing or they're writers themselves and they they want to get their work out there so and it is it's simple to use i mean there's so many great things about it that mm-hmm. you know i think that it's one of the reasons that people love it so much right and it also serves i think as like for people that are I know it's easy to start a website now. It's There's so many different ways you can do it that it's easy for people who don't know how to build a website from you know scratch. They have easy ones. But I think that intimidates some writers, the idea of like, okay, now I have to host a website. But I feel like Substack provides that a little bit. It can be sort of a home base for most of the stuff that you're doing, um, you know, because you can link to your social media there. You can link to your books on Amazon there. So it's for me anyway, it's it's kind of doing that job. The only thing I, and I don't think I did this wrong, but you, you kind of have the option of what your URL is going to be. And I opted to have it be stock fiction instead of my name. And at the time it was because I was like nervous, I guess, about putting my name on a URL and then being discoverable, which is kind of the opposite of <laughs> <laughs> what I want. So, um, and I'm not sure I'm going to change it now because I feel like I have enough people reading it that that might be a bad move to make that switch. But um, yeah, so I feel like it it sort of serves for me anyway, as that checked box of you have to have a presence yes. somewhere where people can find you. And I feel like it's it's doing that for me very well. Because yes. you found me 
And now we're doing this. There you go. And I think, you know, for our audience, for my audience with Get Your Book Seen and Sold, you have to talk about exactly how Meg is using Substack. She's she's getting her writing out there. She's creating that all-important email list, and she's using Substack to do it. And Mm -hmm. now she's got this nice, warm audience out there so that when she does publish her books, that is something that she can mention in one of her posts now. She can say, well, my new book is out and here's an excerpt or here's where you can download a galley or if you want to provide me with a blurb, you know, please, you know, have a look and do it and whatever. So Mm -hmm. instead of having a website that where you're connecting you know, a, a, a survey monkey or, or, a, or constant contact email list, Substack does all of that in one place. Right. And you can do and get out your fantastic writing along the way. It's really such a win-win. And maybe even with subscribers, you're making some money as you go. Right. I'm not doing that yet. Well, except <laughs> unless, you, unless you count my mom who pays gotcha. for my Substack. Gotcha. But, um no. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. It is I actually funny. kind of asked her to pay for my Substack. There you go. Like, <laughs> you know, it's that you're like, how can I support you and what you're doing? I'm like, well, you could drop me fifty dollars exactly. a year. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yes, I, I absolutely agree. And I think what's different about Substack too is people are choosing to consume your content. People are signing up for it. Yep. And I'm finding most of my subscribers have come from places where I wasn't putting anything out. Nice. They were coming. Th- th- there are engines at work, I think, in Substack um, that work very well. Recommendation engine for one. Mm-hmm. I do have a fair number of um, other publications recommending me. And so a lot of my readers come from there and then a lot of them stick around, but I don't know who these people are. It's really, it's really fascinating because I just assumed I'd be needing to promote more to get to the point I am now. Um, And I've done very little promotion, but that's why I'm talking to you because I do need to do more. Um, And it's obviously not an area I'm super comfortable self-promoting, but, um, but yeah, I've been just very surprised with, the growth just from continuing to do what I'm doing, which is just writing and posting. And that's the fun part. So. Right. And you know what that says to me, Meg, that says your content is good. Because at the end of the day, it, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to good content. I mean, you can do all the promotion you want. If the content's good, no one's going to stick with you. Right. So Absolutely. yeah, what you're putting out there is is fabulous. And you know, maybe you don't need to do a whole lot of promotion. I mean, maybe every the, the folks who are coming to you are going to feed off one another and just keep putting out that good content and right. they will come. Well, and that's really the kicker, too. I get hung up on what else can I be doing to make this grow faster or grow bigger. And when I put a lot of headspace and bandwidth on that, I get frustrated because I know I'm not spending that time on the actual. Exactly craft of why I'm there. And you you do, you get hung up on numbers. You know, that's the one thing. They give you that nice juicy dashboard with all those stats and you're just picking at them and like, you know, you're like, ooh, the number went up by two. And then the next day it'll go down by one. You'll be like, I didn't even do anything. Like what, what happens? Know. You know, you think there's some weird mystical 
negative thing you put out in the universe that made someone subscribe and then instantly unsubscribe. Um, but so that's, it's hard not to pay attention to that number. I try really hard to ignore it, but it's there. And it's obviously everyone's goal to find more readers. Right. Um, right. But what's really should be the goal is finding readers who are reading. <laughs> because there is that, you know, you have to assume some of that number are the people who have been getting your stuff in their inbox and it's just getting mixed in with everything else and they're missing a lot. And then eventually they snooze on it and right. they're probably not actively reading everything anymore. But, you know, I do have a handful of people I appreciate a lot who always show up in my comments. Um, and so for me, finding a few more of those people might be more the goal than finding, you know, another 500 people who might show up occasionally. Those yeah. true fans, that's what we're looking for, right? That's People right. that will read anything you write. That's and right. And then they'll buy the book. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I, I do think it uh, has so much to do with meeting and finding the right reader for your content. And they will stick around and they will stay with you. And then, and then it's... Um, Oh, shoot, what do you call that? Uh, word of mouth. I mean, one person yeah. tells another person, another person, tells another, and so and so on. And one of the posts that you did to that point was about the the little, you know, something that all writers have, which is the little voice in the back of their head that says, you know, you're not good enough, or what you do isn't good enough, or you're not maybe you're not you're not really a writer. Um, and in, in your case, you actually put that on uh, into an image um, yeah. Can you tell us can about that him? post? I, I, know, can, I know the I audience can. can't see him, but <laughs> he's behind me in, in a picture frame. Yeah. And he's, he's what, did, what did you call him? You called him the mean kid oh. on the skateboard or? Yeah. Yes. Um, what did I call him? Oh, man, why can't I remember? It was probably inappropriate. I used a lot of bad words in that post. I really did. That was one thing I was worried about. I was like, I'm going to come on here and say bad words on her podcast. Oh, but no, I'm that's so okay. okay. No worries. Um, He's the, was it the dirt bag on the hoverboard? <laughs> he keeps telling me I suck, something like that. But yes, and then I pulled my readers to try to give him a name. And I think we landed on Dolt. Right, right, right. Dolt Grundelson, yeah. <laughs> and, my hus and my husband drew him. Of course, your audience can't see this because it's a podcast. This oh, is, I'll post People who have never done podcasts forget, but That's yes. Right. He's on my he's on my sub stack, though, if you want to know what he looks like. Yes. Greater listening audience. Uh, but yes. And that was, you know, that was a rough week. And I've been, I've been for some reason more shy lately to do nonfiction posts like that. And I, I kind of want to get over that because I feel like when you're in those moments of just real frustration and throwing your hands up in the air, like some really good stuff can come out. And then it's just, I think I was just quicker on the publish button back then. I was like, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. And here, <laughs> you guys are going to consume it. And then it was just really funny how many people responded with, and that's, I like that part too, like with nonfiction, which I do some of, um, is just how much conversation happens mm -hmm. from those posts. Oh, they're my favorite posts. Because yeah. you know what they are? They're, they're, really they're a peek behind the curtain. Mm hmm Absolutely. And, I and a chance to swear a lot. Yeah. <laughs> in my case. Right. So how do you, I mean, I will post to that particular post in the Substack in my I'm sorry podcast notes but tell me what how do you get over that hump when you have those feelings of unworthiness ooh um interestingly a lot of times I'll read someone else's Substack post 
and they'll either have just gotten past their own hump or they're in the process of getting over it and offering some advice. But a lot of times those things, those posts from other people will hit me at a really good time because the slumps don't last very long. I always find, and that's just a reason to keep reading on Substack too. Like sometimes I feel a lot of pressure. It's everyone that you've talked to probably has said like, I subscribe to too many Substacks. It's like the, you know, I've tried really hard to keep mine under 30 and it's really hard. Um, Thankfully not everyone posts as often, but um, I do find there are some people who do a good job of processing those harder times and then offering not even a solution because everyone's solution is going to be different. Sometimes it's just being distracted or getting up and doing something else or going back and finding a win because that's one thing. I think I have a post on there somewhere about, what did I call it? Like uh, little highs and big lows or something like that, where I, I struggled so much to celebrate wins, but I really wallow in the losses. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I think that's when you hear that other people are going through that, it does make you feel better. It's not like you want everyone to be miserable, but it makes you feel like less of a weirdo when (laughs) when other people are are suffering with you. So I guess a lot of times that's what does it is just I'm like, okay, I can't write right now, then I'll read. Yes. And then I'll just read something that it might not just immediately turn the switch, but at least it gets me that's it. Remembering that I'm going to get over it. So yep. do you, you remember, um, have you ever heard of the book Outlander? I'm, I'm thinking of the Netflix series. Yeah, that was based on a book. That was, that's based on a book series. Yeah. Yes, I binged that heavily during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some people <laughs> yeah. don't get past the first season. It's uh, raw. It is. Um, but I enjoyed it. I actually haven't watched the last two. I don't think I haven't caught up. Gotcha. But that was writing. But um, at the time, yes, I did. So she that was based on a book. um, Mm -hmm. And she just thought, Diana Gabaldon, I'm just going to write this book. And probably no one's ever going to read it. But I just want to I think I can be, you know, a a novel fiction writer, and I'm just going to write it. So obviously, I mean, we all know where that ends up, right? She's on her like, 12th book or 15th Mm -hmm. book, whatever. But um, she wrote this other book called The Outlandish Companion. And in it, she includes all kinds of details about the series, but also her personal writing. Mm-hmm. And she she was a writer by trade, but for journals and for, you know, all kinds of instruction manuals, those kinds of things. And when she talked about her process, she, you know, she said, I had to write for all these different things. And so if I got stuck, I would just put it down and then start writing for the other thing. Right. Right. And then when I wasn't writing, I was always thinking about the next scene or the next, you know, whatever. And, right. and I'm thinking to myself, that God, that makes sense, because then you're not you're not wasting time, which is great. You're always if you're not writing, you're thinking about it, whatever. And then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. How does that go along with being present in your life? <laughs> this, is, this is a huge point that you're making and very strangely like telling into the future i'm writing a post about this right now because just in the last i have a post coming out on thursday a fiction piece but i had like a slump that lasted through one of my post cycles and so i put up this greatest hits post which of course is a little bit of a cop-out because i didn't have anything new to share and also because i had a bunch of new subscribers and i kind of wanted 
the interesting thing about my Substack is depending on when you show up, you could get caked or <laughs> you, <laughs> you could get something really like sweet and sentimental. So like it really just depends on when you show up. And sometimes I feel I need to prepare people or explain to them. I'm like, this is not what you're going to read every week, but right. Right. this is how it is. So, but I had this little slump and I was like, why can't I do this right now? And it was frustrating and I was worried. And then I, I realized, and I don't want to give too much away because I'm going to write about it, but um, I really was spending too much time in my head thinking about, not even so much thinking, well, I was thinking about stories and I even started a couple, but they just, they weren't gelling. And, and so I think something's happening and I think it might be happening universally because I feel like when I actually talk to people in real life, <laughs> which I don't do enough of either, I think people are just observing less there's so much input to be had and sometimes it's voluntarily and sometimes it's not just with the way the internet works and um this need to kind of consume as things are being thrown at you like i was just out of space in my head for new things and and then i also realized too because there's a couple of authors on substack i read a lot of fiction and i do a good job of just honing in on like real life stuff, like just people in a situation that you might actually see, or they'll observe something and then they'll expand on it. And a lot of times my stories are a little off the wall. And so they're kind of happening in a space that like no one's really familiar with, but I try to like, you know, involve elements that they can relate to. Like for instance, the cake story, Um, (laughs) you can relate to that or not. You can relate to the cake part and how cake is amazing. so where was I going with this? So yeah, just the paying attention to where, cause I take walks every day. And a lot of times that's, I'll have music on, but I'm still thinking, I'm thinking about stories. I'm thinking about upcoming posts. And then you go even further and you're like, how are people going to receive this? You're thinking about stuff that really doesn't matter or shouldn't matter. It's that sort of like trying to foresee the future. I do a lot of that catastrophizing and that sort of stuff. But what I'm not doing when I'm out walking and thinking is like paying attention to what I'm walking past, Mm. where my feet are landing. Like I've kind of gotten so far into my brain that I'm just not aware of what's happening around me. And so I'm trying to sort of reverse that a little bit. But it's like it's it's like a muscle that you have to not let atrophy. Like I feel like since the pandemic, when we all kind of had this excuse to be really insular and like closed off and hiding essentially from the world. It's been years now and I still feel like it's a little bit like a foreign country to me when I walk outside my door and walk through my neighborhood that I've lived in for nine years. Um, So I think getting back to that and just seeing the potential in what you're actually experiencing Mm -hmm. and not what you think, (laughs) what you're fantasizing about, which is another thing I do a lot. So yeah, so I, Definitely hear what you're saying. There's just, it's, yeah, remembering to take stock, so to speak. Yes. And so that that will be in an upcoming post on your subject. Yes, I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah. That because, would, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so let me switch gears and talk a little bit about your writing process. And you have a book out and it's called C.Smile. Tell us yes. about that and where people can find it. Sure. So that is, it's a YA novel. Um, I would file it under contemporary romance. Um, I decided to publish it on 
Wattpad, which is, and I'm, I'm not going to speak to Wattpad like someone who's a super expert on it. Um, I know it exists and I know it has a very large YA audience, um, which is why I decided to go there. This book in particular, um, it was the fourth YA book I wrote. And it actually, at a conference, I won a pitch contest for it. Um, so <laughs> if I can give you my log line. So, um, the book is about a really passionate girl who's on a quest to lose her virginity to her first love by the end of her senior year, who unexpectedly falls for this boy who's coming to terms with his asexuality. Yikes. So, Yikes a yes. bee. Okay. And it's a huge book. This is part of the problem. So I did pitch it for a while to agents. Most of them just never got back to me, which is, I'd almost rather they get back to me and say, no, thank you. But there's a lot of crickets. Um, and I'm very fond of the book. I love it. And then what's nice about Wattpad is they don't care about word count. Teenagers don't care about word count. It's only <laughs> it's only publishers who have to spend money on paper that care about it. So the book is up there on Wattpad. One thing I've learned about Wattpad is you can't just show up with no audience and expect an audience to appear out of thin air um, because that has not happened. Um, it's very algorithmically driven. And I don't know how to work those things. I really don't. I think there is a science to them that if you know how to do it, you might do better. It's really about getting people to engage with it. And what I find happens over there a lot is someone will pop into my book and say, oh, hi, welcome to Wattpad. I wrote this book. I'd love it if you'd come and read it. You know, it's a lot of I showed up for you, stranger. Now you show up for me kind of stuff. And that's hard for me because it feels disingenuous and it a little bit transactional. And I get that's part of the business. But for me, it's hard. I just, I'd rather have a personal connection. Organic. To the person that's reading my book and, and not feel immediately <laughs> in the wording of that kind of comment that they're just looking for me to come over and and play on their book because it is a lot of like you know there's a little star there people hit the star that moves you up you know and if people follow you so it's i mean i'm not gonna lie to you i'm doing horribly over there <laughs> <laughs> i'm not winning anything um but the book is there and it's it's a beautiful book i'm i'm very proud of it i would love to have people go and give it a whirl um it will make you hot and bothered if you're of that mindset nice. or that <laughs> interests you at all aren't we all um, aren't we all of that mindset yes. yeah. yeah well i i like I think to so. think so but yes not everyone's willing to admit it but <clears throat> well, i am yes so <laughs> well i invite <laughs> in. you to go honestly the first couple of chapters hopefully would would pull you in and then it's just a a really fun journey for a lot of really beautiful characters um nice. so so you would like so, uh, you would like to traditionally publish it if you that could. would be my goal. The The real issue with this particular book is the length. Um, for YA, it's just too long. Um, I know of well-known YA authors who have published longer books, but typically you're a debut novel. Right. Well, needs could, to be what it needs to be. Could it be, for a, anyone could to it even be a, look like a part one and part two? But see, who am I? Who's going to buy a part one from someone that... 
Well, I mean, never heard again, of. I listen, and this is the thing. You're right. I know you're right. Industry and yeah, all that. But again, we're talking this about- This is me quitting before I start. So well, you're right too. Yeah, we're, it's we're, content. We're, we're talking about content and good content yeah. breaks all. Like I was I was just giving a presentation uh, with one of my colleagues, Kate Brenton, and we, we do a you know twofer. I talk about book marketing. She talks about your writing process and getting your book written. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of an interesting dynamic because what we're trying to do is say, hey, listen, writers, start thinking about book marketing as you're writing your book so that after you're done, you're not like, oh, my God, I have this whole other thing I have to learn. Right. So we were ta- we were giving this speech and, and I, or presentation, whatever, Q&A, really. I had just written an article about the author who wrote Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. And no one wanted to buy that book because – what publishers and agents told her was that nobody wanted to read a book about uh, a protagonist who was the bad guy, female. Right. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, right. I mean, the woman's, she she's on to her own publishing company right now. I don't think that she even writes anymore. She doesn't have to. Right. She's on to other things. So that book, mm-hmm. that movie, I mean, everything just took off. So, and that's how these new genres uh, are created. Diana Gabaldon, we were just talking about, that's a whole nother, no one's going to, that, that first book is ginormous. No one's going to mm-hmm. buy it. Uh-huh. Where are we now? So I think, you know, bucking the trend with good content happens all the time. And maybe that's right. going to be, that. that's going to be your book. So you're saying anybody, at this point, anybody can read it. It's on... Um, uh, Wattpad. And yeah, I can provide you with a, a link if there's. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's links. do it. Yeah, let's do absolutely. it. Absolutely, and and it's free too. So the way Wattpad works is you just have to sign up for an account, which for some people that's uh, no thank you, but um, it's just one more thing to put your email address into. But the content is free. There is like an upgraded service which you know you can do if you don't want to see ads. I will say that the. If you read it on a desktop, the ads are just kind of off to the side, so they don't really disrupt the reading. But if you read it in the phone app, they do every chapter, after every chapter, they kind of throw an ad in your face, which I'm not a fan of. But the people that have been reading it, most of them have been reading it on their desktop computers or laptops, and it's the reading experience is fine. It's not as pretty as Substack, but... Um, yeah. No, I, I looked, I saw yeah. it. I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I like what you wrote in, in your bio as well. So have you put, I'm just curious, have you put a post on Substack linking to your book? Yes, I have. Okay. I actually wrote an entire post about the book. So the synopsis nice. is there, um, all that. So I can, um, it's yeah. actually, the title of the post is Heartfelt AF. So, um because <laughs> I gave myself an award in it. I made up <laughs> I made up an award and put it on the cover of let's, my book. Yeah, so let's um, do that. Let's do that. You, you know, all awards are made up, as they say. That's it. So and then exactly. the other I recently did a podcast episode with another Substack writer, Kate McKean. Mm-hmm. And she actually is an agent who likes um YA. <laughs> and so uh if, Oh yes, but if you subscribe to her, she says do not submit your work to me. <laughs> Is that what she says? <laughs> As a subscriber. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, right. Okay. I could do it. Maybe I could I find a way to like, agency. sneak it, sure. it around. I would do it through her agency, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, you know, good ideas are always good ideas are always welcome. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's awesome. And then And then I'll link in the show notes as well so people can find the post on your Substack and also the actual post on... Wattpad. So awesome. you, you also mentioned 
that you had attended a writer's conference. And we've discussed that a lot as well, too, um, through my podcast and, and posts. Do you find them helpful, writer's conferences? Do you think it's a good first step for an aspiring author? First step, absolutely. Um, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh step, I don't know if I would say the same. Okay. And it's not because they're not valuable, but for me anyway, after a while, you start to feel like you're receiving the same, the same information. Like there's, yep. there's certain things that they cover. And when you're starting out, it's really helpful. The other thing that's really great about them is that sense of community. And it's kind of like a cheerleading situation, especially in Kidlit. Like um, the conferences I've been to, it's all children's book authors. So everyone's just jazzed to make good books for kids. And so there's a lot of really good positive energy. And sometimes if you can, you know, if you can swing it, that's the other thing. It's money. So money spent. And for a lot of writers, they're not making that money. So it's hard to, after a while to, you know, want to keep spending the money. But I did find them, actually, that conference that I attended last summer, where my book won the pitch contest, that was actually an online because that was kind of post-pandemic and they were still not gathering in such numbers. Um, so that's an interesting place to start because the online ones tend to be considerably less expensive. Um, you don't get the same, you know, cocktail hour fun of going in person. I actually attended um, an in-person conference in New York last this past spring with that same organization. And that was really awesome because that was the first in-person one that I had attended, I got to meet some people that I'd only ever talked to online. And that's always like, and my teacher too, who taught that year long course I mentioned, um, she was there. So that was just, you know, it's kind of like meeting a celebrity in your life. So, and some nice. of my writing group friends were there too. So I think um, there's a lot of benefit to them, especially early on, or if you're the kind of person that just really needs to get together in person with other writers to stay motivated, um, because it really does help because writing is lonely af i'll say i won't use the bad <laughs> word <laughs> we know it really we is. know what you we mean. all spend a, mm -hmm. yes yeah. we all spend a lot of time by ourselves um so yep yep so, so i would say if you're really just starting out and you and you and you're ready to absorb a lot of information because that's the other thing you go to these things and then you're just like whoa now what do i do with all this stuff like i have you know notebooks filled with all the notes i took at conferences and I should probably go back and look at those things. But um, but yeah. sometimes, and this is what my my instructor from that course always said to us, because she actually leads the orientations for these conferences that I attend. And she's like, look for the one thing, like the one takeaway, the one quote, the one thing that like a keynote speaker says, the one course that really fires you up and just like really cling to that. Because sometimes you do just get one message that you can take away. And for a lot of people, it's, it's worth the, the right. money just to get that. Yeah. And you don't want to be stuff. so overwhelmed that you do nothing. And I right. think sometimes you say, Oh, my God, that's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. I love that advice. Just take one thing because chances are if all the other things were that are that fabulous, you'll, mm. you'll come across them again. So right, exactly. not not to worry. Would you feel comfortable sharing the organization that ran the conference? Oh, yeah. It's the one I mentioned before, which is SCBWI. Okay. So, um, and they have a website, which is scbwi.org. 
it's a fantastic organization for anyone writing in children's literature. And that's picture books through YA. Um, there's just so much positivity and so much knowledge. They get a lot of kind of well-known people to show up for these things. Um, what's his name? Arthur Levine was at the New York oh, conference. Wow. Okay. We know who he is. Sure. Um, yeah. So he spoke on a panel with other publishers and um, editors just about, and that's something they do a lot too at these conferences is they'll kind of try to give you a picture of what publishing looks like in the moment because man, that moment changes from day to day. Um, and sometimes that's really helpful. And sometimes it's really discouraging yes. <laughs> when you hear where things are, because the consensus seems to be that everyone is just buried. Yep. Buried in piles and piles and piles of stuff that they might never get through. Yep. And it's yep. hard to throw your stuff on top of that pile or more likely at the bottom of that pile. Um, and think that it's ever going <laughs> to see get the light found. of day. Yeah. I, it's so yeah. true. Yeah. We asked Kate McKean, uh, or I did, um, how many times should you pitch before you give up? And she said, you know, never. Like, keep going. Right. I mean, it could be that your book idea, you know, she said, okay, if you send it to 100 people and all of them had the same comment, then, you know, that's information you might want to take <laughs> right. to heart. Um, but, and it seems that with my audience especially, the whole idea of pitching is something that sometimes is very new to them. Mm -hmm. um, but then once they understand how important it is, they get anxious about actually doing it. And you said that you won a pitch contest. What was that yes. like? It was surprising. Um, but I worked really hard on my, <laughs> that's, my pitch. That's so good I, information. So time, what, what did that look yeah. like? Like, what does that look like? Work really hard on your pitch. Um, so generally we had two minutes to pitch. So the way it worked was it was like a round table. So the first round of the pitches was I was in a group with 15 other writers and one agent. And then that agent chose mine of those 15 to go on to the next round. Um, so I think there were, there were 10 agents that had 15 each. And then, so like the last 10 went to this last round and then mine got picked from this panel of, faculty and staff at the conference um as the winner so i mean it's so hard because writing a pitch you can you can look it up and see how to do it right but what you'll always be told is that you want your pitch to stand out but meanwhile you're being told here's how you do it but it's like if everyone's doing it that way how are you standing out um yeah. I think for me, this pitch was easier to write. Than, I've struggled to write pitches for some of my other books. And I think because the stories aren't as pitchable. Okay. And that's that's a light bulb to me <laughs> that they're quieter books. And that's the other thing, too. I write some quiet YA, and it's really harder to pitch. So, um, And that's just the thing I'll have to deal with or write pitchier books. Um, but yeah, I mean, I worked with the, you know, they talk about you got your hook paragraph, you got your summary, and then you have your, well, we'd skipped the bio. This was really just the pitch. So it was kind of like I had my log line, which I gave you a little while ago. And then I had like a two paragraph summary that probably amounted to 250 words. And that's for a book that's over 100,000. So wow, I, I managed to, <laughs> to get it down really to the gritty. And I will say that the last word in the pitch was sex. And I think maybe that <laughs> helped a little bit. 
<laughs> people, landed people really well, you are I getting think. gems here. Yeah, <laughs> I think it landed well. In fact, one of my friends in my writer's group, she's working on a pitch for the upcoming conference with the same group. Um, and it's a, for a picture book. And she's like, I'm looking for like a last line. It's kind of like sex. Because <laughs> she remembers like how mine ended. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was snappy. And I got to I got to deliver it, you know, live. And so I really I practiced it, I rehearsed it. And so I didn't have to read it from the screen, I actually could recite it. And so that let me be a little more animated with it and get kind of and I think that helps too. If you have the opportunity to pitch in person. And that's one thing I will say, a lot of these conferences have those add-on things. Yes. Which are really scary, like, you know, a one-on-one with a publisher or, you know, a critique or in this case it was this pitch contest where you got to pitch your book to an agent. And um it was very scary for me to go into it, which is why I prepared so much for it. Um, but being able to do that live as opposed to on paper, I think is really good because you get to put your enthusiasm for the book into the pitch. Whereas that's harder to do when it's just in an email in an agent's overflowing inbox. You know, if you can do that with your words, that's a good skill to have too. But I think that was the best part of, of that pitch experience for me was just the opportunity to do it in person. Well, on a screen, but sort yes. of in person. <laughs> That's awesome. And then what happened? So they deliberated, <laughs> which was like nail biting. We're all just sitting in this Zoom room, you know. Um, and they actually picked two winners. They picked a picture book winner. And this was the first time they ever did this. So they were really kind of like working out some kinks, I think, and how to do it. Um, but I think they realized that YA and picture books are just so different. Um, so they did pick a picture book winner and then they picked mine. And it was very strange because I was alone in my basement. I was sitting right here where I'm sitting now. And I I, I didn't like yell or like get excited because I'm like, I'm just by myself. <laughs> like they made me come on screen. So then I was just like waving. I felt very awkward. But meanwhile, <laughs> my friends are emailing me. I can see the little things and they're like, God. they're like I just screamed and scared the crap out of my husband and like everyone's just <laughs> jumping up and down and and I'm just sitting here going like okay I did yell up the stairs to my husband that that I won and I think I swore in a positive <laughs> way but um but yeah it was very strange and it made me feel a little shortchanged only because it would have been great to be in a room with those people that were cheering me on you know it felt a little bit like damn you pandemic and you're crappiness but yes. yeah but it was yes. still pretty cool um and the prize at the time was i actually got a a critique from an agent on my first 20 pages so and that's something normally you would have to pay for as well so took a little while to get it but yes <laughs> they're busy people um so that was good it was all around a good experience but it's you know you just got to sort of jump into those things and i have like a theater background so I felt a little more comfortable, but even I'm nervous about it because it's a little bit like performing, but it's, it's your real stuff. It's not, it's yeah, not it's, made up. It's, it's you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a little, a little more scary, but. Nice. 
I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are worth their weight in gold when you get that practice. And I mm-hmm. think that's what a lot of authors are looking for in these co- in the conferences and some of the online things that are offered. Um, right. In my experience, we I we had one locally. Our um, we, it's called Book Fest in in my town, and the um they she had two agents come and speak and i'll tell you the agents were great but you know you have to pay them to do it you know what i mean like you could have people come and speak and just want to get that professional exposure you know if that's if that they're in the book industry and they want to meet people and that's you know that's kind of their payment but no agents want to be paid <laughs> even right. when they're presenting. And I think, you know, to get them to do a pitch session is really hard. Mm-hmm. Because, And I don't know why. I guess because they do it all day long and they've just had it's it. That, and it's a time commitment, too. I mean, a lot of them were also presenters at the conference. So they were giving up like their weekend and then they were staying for this extra event. But one thing I will say, though, is it, this particular organization anyway, when they have agents and editors come, they're always open for submissions. So as attendees of the conference, most of them will say, if you attend their presentations, um, I'm open to submissions. And a lot of times it'll just be to, because you're at the conference that they'll open up their window for you for a certain amount of time. And that's huge because especially if they're editors, like if you don't have an agent, a lot of times they're closed to, you know, unagented submissions. So a lot of times there's just the opportunity to send your work to someone, not with an invitation as much as a you were here, you paid the money for this conference, I was here, you, we have a connection now and you can utilize that for this you know, set amount of time. And so that's kind of a big deal too. And another reason for maybe attending those gotcha. types of things. Gotcha, gotcha. It's for that opportunity. Well, t- two more questions for you. I mean, the, first, sure. the first is about the, and we talked a little bit about what is available to writers, authors in the industry. And have you found that, you know, there's maybe some folks that are charlatans and and offering things that aren't worth the money. Have you have you ever run down that road and been like, oh my gosh, you know, I spent the money on this and it got me nowhere? And because it seems to me that there there are a lot of folks out there oh, just yeah. who can't wait to take a writer's money. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately for them, I'm very skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> I assume everyone is out to scam me. So I I almost need like multiple recommendations from multiple reliable sources before I would give my money to anyone. Um, But if you're if you're part of an organization that is looking out for writers like this one I'm a member of or even, you know, the Mm -hmm. Authors Guild and some of those other things, they'll give you tips on how to avoid. And I would read those kind of things closely because, yeah, you really for, for starters, like they always say, you know, no agent that you're submitting to should be charging you to read your manuscript. Like if you're submitting somewhere, there shouldn't be a reader fee, things like that, that people might not know. Um, and also just, it is hard. I do think sometimes you have to just take a chance and and find out if something is worth your, your time and your money. But because I, I know people who just, they just keep spending money. They just, they like going and learning and you know that's for some people that's helpful to them and they have the money to spend but i do think you need to be careful and i see it a lot too on social media like on instagram because i'm a writer and i post enough about writing the little robots and insta world are like you know here here's some 
people you might want to pay to make your writing better. Or they'll like be like, oh, I can boost your post and get you all these fake followers if you <laughs> write me a check. Um, or no one writes checks anymore. This no. is the age <laughs> I still write checks sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think, especially nowadays, nowadays, I just aged myself again. Nowadays, um, <laughs> you have to be really careful because I think they have the, t- the terms, what is it, schmagents? Yes, call them? schmagents. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to spell that exactly, but yes. yeah, it's essentially people who are posing as literary agents. And I've even seen, like, in doing some research on agencies, they'll have these big banners at the top of their websites that say, you know, be cognizant of the fact that there are people impersonating our agency out there. You know, they've started a website that looks very close to ours, but it's not us. Make sure, you know, you're yep. checking ABC. So, like, I think the agencies are aware of it and we're not going to get into this because we have like two minutes left, but the whole artificial intelligence thing is becoming a real issue for agents and editors too, because now they're like, and I believe this is a real person and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be the writer who gets mistaken for a robot. And that's the reason your manuscript gets tossed out. Exactly. Exactly. But apparently you do want to be the robot who can fool the agent and then get your book published there you go but i do i do that's great advice be skeptical so what is next for meg olders oh boy um next for me is to just enjoy the rest of my summer with my family um i've been trying to let myself do that a little more and then i'm looking at you know my one year mark on substack which will be in october and just trying to kind of not rebrand so much as just kind of reassess what I want the publication to be. Um, so I do feel like my attention has been pulled in a lot of directions lately with the Wattpad and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so I kind of want to refocus a little bit on my Substack and see what I can do to grow it and evolve it a little bit while still keeping true to its core mission, which is to entertain. But, um, yeah. So like I said, the podcast thing, I'm, I'm thinking about that, doing some more collaborations with other fiction writers, just experimenting. That's nice. what I'm looking forward to. And, and a, a second book? A second book? Well, I've written five already. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're not published yet. So um, maybe before I write a sixth book, there you I go. might have to get back on the query train and yes, give a little bit more of the old college try, as they say in that arena okay. just to say that I did it because I feel like that's that's most of it is just checking the box yes yes yeah <laughs> thank you thank you so much we've been speaking with Meg Olders you can find her at her Substack. Substack is at stockfiction.substack.com also her Instagram at writer melon r-i-t-e-r-m-e-l-o-n and you can also check out her book c.smile on Wattpad Thank you so much for sharing your experience. There are so many authors, writers, aspiring writers on uh, that listen to the podcast and and read my Substack. I really appreciate you kind of you know taking the curtain back a little bit and sharing everything that you've been going through. And I know you're going to be helping a lot of writers. Thank you. Well, thank you. This was really really fun. Awesome. So and that, hopefully you'll come back. Will do. All Anytime. right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You have been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk. 
Thanks for listening, and remember to share and subscribe to my Substack, Get Your Book Seen and Sold, at claudinewalk.substack.com. When you are ready to make some decisions about your book, subscribe today, and let's come up with a plan.